Hey everybody, good morning and welcome back. Thanks for joining us on the road to 80s Wrestling Con 4. We are just 23 days away from one of the biggest gatherings of pro wrestling superstars to ever hit the East Coast. I'm talking about the likes of the Brooklyn Brawler, Downtown Bruno, WWF announcer Mike McGurk, Mr. Hughes, Nikita Koloff, Papa Shango, Paul Roma, and the list goes on and on. It's all taking place on Saturday, May the 6th at the Men in Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. 23 days left to get your tickets on sale now at 80swrestlingcon.com. My name, it's Jumpin' Jay, and you're listening to another live episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. And today, it's all about the guys who made us believe the best sellers in the business. And as always, I'm seeing a garage from a guy that you can always believe, Mr. Tommy Fierro. Tommy, good morning, brother. What is going on? Jumping Jay. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing very well, very well. I'm getting excited. Just 23 days away, my friend. It fills me with excitement. It probably fills you with a little bit of uh, anxiety. There's only 23 more days before you pull off the biggest 80s wrestling con ever. How are you feeling? Brother, it's, it's Rage in the Cage Eve here in New Jersey. Tomorrow we have a big show, ISPW, at St. Joseph's Church Hall. And the main event will be two, not one, two steel cage matches, Jumpin' Jay. It's going to be Crowbar against the King of Rock and Rick Recon inside a steel cage and a woman's steel cage match for the ISPW women's title. You are going to see Tina San Antonio defend the title against Vicious Vicky. Also, former WWE star Gangrel from The Brood will be challenging Bull James with Maven the ISPW heavyweight title. All this and much, much more tomorrow night. ISPW Rage in the Cage. Tickets are available now. Head over to ISPWWrestling.com. Again, tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. St. Joseph's Church in West Milford, New Jersey. It's going to be a really fun ISW show. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to today's topic, Jumping Day. We're talking about the best sellers. In the history, oh, well, I guess we're doing the 80s, the 80s podcast, the best sellers. I mean, the, the, the first guy, obviously, I know we got people lined up already to uh, talk about it, Hulk Hogan. I mean, you look at Hulk Hogan, like, you talk about selling, like, when he hulked up, I mean, that that's everyone's childhood right there. You know, when, uh, you know, boom, 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 you see him with his arms and his head and his hair and, like, I mean, <laughs> selling, I mean, there's so many unbelievable sellers in this business and, and obviously in it right now currently. So it should be a fun topic today. Yeah, it should be a good one. And before we jump into the slam line, I want to give my disclaimer because unlike you, you're involved in the wrestling industry. I, on the other hand, am just a fan. Okay. And so I feel a little weird using the term selling because that seems a little bit like inside the industry speak, but I just want to be very clear. When you grow up and you believe wrestling is 100% real, you don't know it's a production. When you find out it's kind of a production, some people check out at that point. I, on the other hand, got more interested 
in the industry when I found out it was quote unquote a work. See, there I go again, a fan using uh, inside terminology. But I got more interested because now you find out you have two athletes working together to put on a performance that the audience needs to believe and needs to get behind. And a big part of that is making the audience believe what is happening, making the opponent's move look like they matter. And you find out as you learn more about the industry that that's called selling. And you find out that it is an art form and not everybody is as good at it as maybe they should be. And so today we're having that topic of conversation. You, Tommy, part of the industry, you probably talk to guys about how to make moves look like they matter. I, on the other hand, is, is just a fan, so that's just my disclaimer up front. I don't, I, I don't uh, pretend to know anything about it other than when somebody is doing their job, it draws you in. And so I know the guys that drew me in, and you're right. Hulk Hogan, that was probably one of the biggest things that helped him get to the level of popularity that he did, is us young fans, children watching the product, Man, he made us believe. When he was getting beat, it's almost like you felt it through your television screen. His eyes, his facial expression, Absolutely. the way he would lay on the mat and twitch after a big move, you would believe it. And then when he started hulking up and make that comeback, man, it got you jacked up. Uh, and that's probably why he was so popular, is he just didn't go over there and crush people. He made you believe. He took you on kind of an emotional journey through his matches. And that's what pro wrestling should be. Is that fair to say, Tommy, as a wrestling fan, that's my disclaimer, that that's kind of an inside baseball term, but uh, I think we know when we see people who are really good at it. Absolutely, man. And, and I, I love how much respect you have for the business just by saying the stuff the way you said it. Uh, you're definitely a student of the game, man, 100%. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there to a T, uh, basically, but – I, I find myself always doing that with you. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a jumping J guy, brother. I, I agree with that. <laughs> oh, I appreciate those guys' words, man. Let's waste no more time. Let's get into the phone calls and let's talk to some fans about who were the guys that made them believe? Who, do, who were the guys that put uh, the moves over the way they should be to really let you buy in? And up first is a guy who I know is also a student of the game. Been watching it a very long time. We're flying out to the hopefully sunny Chico, California, to check in with Babyface Brian. Brian, good morning, sir. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Tommy. Um, great good topic morning. for today, and uh, and yeah, it's really nice out here. I uh, did all my yard work yesterday, so today I just get to uh, focus on uh, the selling aspect of wrestling this morning. I love it, man. And I know that you are a fan uh, of certain wrestlers, and part of that is because of their ability to sell moves and to make you buy in emotionally. And so I'd love for you to kick off this topic. Tommy brought Hulk Hogan to the table nice and early into the conversation, but who's somebody else, Brian, that you look at and go, that guy has it down to an art form? Uh, I'd, I'd say, like, my top two are uh, Ricky Steamboat and Bret Hart. Both of those guys are tremendous. Uh the facials, just the, uh, you know, uh, Ricky Steamboat had some of the best selling in the industry for sure. And then Bret Hart, when he got swung into the uh, into the corner and went chest burst into it and fell backwards. I mean, both those guys to me are just the top. Um, a guy I didn't watch much but has a 
great reputation for selling is uh, Ricky Morton and the uh, NWA. And then I'd say two other guys that maybe aren't brought up as much are uh, Andre, especially when he was a baby face. His facials were tremendous. And, uh, and even though he's a big guy, when he wanted to sell, he did a great job at it. And, uh, and Jake Roberts was another one that uh, I thought was a tremendous seller. But, yeah, those are uh, – I'll just limit it to those five. Those are five that I think are tremendous, and I'd like to see, uh, you know, how, what Tommy thinks, what his feelings are those, on those guys as well as you, Jay. You first up in Jay. Well, I'll say, as you're naming those names, those people made it to a very high level in the industry, and you've got to believe it was their ability – to make their opponents look good and not just make themselves look good. And so I think when you start talking about bestsellers and you're naming the guys you named, Brian, and they're at the top of the industry, that tells us something as fans that that's a very important part of the match. If you can't properly put over your opponent's moves, you're probably not moving up uh, the card. One of the names that you said early was, was Bret Hart, and I would put him at near the very, very top of all time sellers because Bret Hart was a performer that man he made it feel real even if you knew that it was a work you would still question it because he does such a good job of selling his opponent's moves like you said that front bump into the turnbuckle he's really the only guy I remember doing that everybody else would turn and take it on their back but when he would take it on the chest it would sound like a shotgun went off and then he would crumple down to the mat and you had to question for a second whether it was legit or not. Was he really hurt? Did he crack his sternum? What is going on? And so I think any time that it pulls the, the fan out of the moment and has you questioning or saying to yourself, man, that had to hurt, I think you're looking at an all-time seller. And I think Bret Hart is absolutely one or two on my list. Tommy? Oh, yeah. He's literally right at the top. I mean – uh one of the greatest of all time, and that's why I'm so excited to have him. And here's a good segue for me to plug 80s Wrestling Con. He will be the headliner at 80s Wrestling Con, and uh, like you said, 23 days away. Now it's 21 days away, babyface Brian, so the three of us get together and have some laughs. So uh, that'll be three weeks from today for the 80s Wrestling, the podcast luncheon. We're going to meet at the uh, the Wrestling Collector. I guess after the, the podcast is over at 12 o'clock or something like that. So anyone, I will announce it uh, as it gets closer. But anyone that lives in the New Jersey area that wants to join us, uh, Babyface Brian from California is coming. we got Toad with Tom coming. We have uh, Danny from Butler. I'm sure Firefighter Brian's coming. So the Stromboli sisters will be there. So we're going to have a, a, a good little uh, get-together, and I'm looking forward to seeing everyone now back on top of Sorry. As far as uh, the selling goes, yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more with Brett. And I'll I use a perfect example of, uh, you know, because selling, selling doesn't, doesn't have to just be, you know, doing moves and motions and stuff like that. Like, just facials. I mean, I, I, I want to use a, a current example, Roman Reigns. You look at he, what he does, everything he does, he he not only makes himself a bigger star, but everyone around him a bigger star. So you see that main event of WrestleMania night one was the Usos defending the tag titles against Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. The main event of WrestleMania. And I'm telling you that the reason why they're in the main event of WrestleMania night one is because of how 
popular and over that storyline is with the bloodline. And that all goes back to uh, Roman Reigns. You gotta, you know, if it wasn't for Roman Reigns, I guarantee you, uh, no disrespect to the Usos or Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn because they're all absolutely fantastic in their roles, all of them. But I don't think they would have been in that position if Roman didn't get the entire angle so hot and so over. And, I mean, he, he got Sami Zayn super red hot. And I also want to say how proud I am that Cody Rhodes overcame that because I didn't think that he was going to be honest with you at first. I know we're, we're switching gears a little bit, but I just want to just talk about it real quickly. Uh, he was a, it, it's, it's tough. You come back after being gone for a long time. You win the Royal Rumble, but at the same time, there's another guy that's super-duper red hot. And I really think they did a fantastic job of uh, being able to, to take Sammy and move him into that situation and still have the fans get behind Cody the way they did. I know it's totally off topic, but I just wanted to, uh, to, to bring that up because I was thinking about it. So I'm, I'm sorry if it didn't make sense. But, yeah, I agree with everything you say, though. That and uh, both of them being uh, second-generation stars, I think, has a lot to do with their uh, – their ability to sell, their their ability to succeed and cut promos as they were up around the business and saw, you know, Roman's dad, Sika. They were born into it. They were born into it. That's how, that's why they understand it so well, because they were born in it. It's in their blood. Uh, Cody's Cody's another one. I mean, look, his his facials, man, like when he was walking, talk about getting something over, like he was walking down. I watched his, his entrance of WrestleMania like 10 times, uh, last week, I just kept watching it. Just the, I dig the song. I dig the way he walks to the song. I dig his confidence. I dig his um, wholesomeness is when he smiles to the crowd. Like he just—he's special, man. He has everything. So, uh, you know, although I, 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 you know, strongly behind Roman winning that, and you know, we talked about it last week here uh, on the podcast. But I think Cody is just absolutely. Fantastic! I think he's going to make John Cena, to be honest with you. But, yeah, I know we're talking about, you know, all-time sellers. So I, I would definitely, if it is, I, mean, I know it's the 80s podcast, but if it is, I mean, those two guys are obviously at the top of the, the mountain right now. One other quick thing I wanted to say off topic is uh, how did you like the, uh, uh, when you think back of Roddy Piper's bagpipes and drums at WrestleMania bringing him in, uh, I thought there was a, a nice parallel with the six grand pianos with Roman where you've got an extra added element that usually isn't there of the live bagpipers and drummers and extra live element of the, the six grand pianos there. I thought that was a real nice uh, uh, parallel between the two events that just made it that much bigger and more exciting for the, you know, the heels to have that presence. Absolutely, man. I, I'm a big fan of, and this is, again, totally off topic, but whatever. It's, it's a wrestling podcast, so we can just talk about wrestling. Uh, I'm, I'm totally, uh, I'm totally into those grand entrances at WrestleMania. I also like it because if you notice, they give like I was just talking about uh, Cody Rhodes, and, his, his, and I watched his entrance like ten times. Like they let him, they play that song for like five minutes. Like, that's like, you know, it, usually you're you watching on wall, you know, you maybe they get, maybe if they're lucky, you know, 30, forty-five seconds you know, their entrance, but, uh, yeah, this, it just makes it seem special. Like, even, like, with Bianca Belair, where all the kids were out there dancing with her, and I'm, I'm a big fan of all that extra stuff because 
it just makes the entire presentation look so much bigger and so much more special. Like I'm a big fan of, I'm a big fan of also like when WWF would bring in the celebrities all the time back in the day. You know, you look the first several WrestleManias, it's filled with tons of celebrities. I wish that, I know they, I understand they don't, they don't need to do that because they're going to sell out at this point for WrestleMania regardless of what they have. So I understand not spending additional money when you don't need to, but I would love to see them bring back, you know, the celebrity aspect of WrestleMania where, you know, the special guest timekeeper is, you know, you know, whatever the most popular TV show is out right now, you know, whatever. And then, you know, the that, ring, special guest ring announcer for this, you know, maybe a real famous baseball or football player. Like, you just, you, I just love that aspect of all the celebrity involvement as well. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I really enjoy uh, the, the grand entrances at WrestleMania, man, 100%. I'd say that's the number one uh, benefit of splitting it up over, over two nights is if, when you have a six- to eight-hour event, people are just – they're just – drained and when you break it up and only have six or eight matches and it's only three to four hours you can do those grandiose entrances and it'll have impact and people aren't emotionally and physically drained when they get to that main event so i think that's one of the best benefits of, of splitting it up over two nights is being able to do that yeah i agree 100 percent, man definitely well great topic um thanks for uh having me on i really look forward to uh We'll shoot three weeks from now about seeing you guys in person and uh and uh eating a bunch of pizza i guess with uh with total with tom <laughs> hey remember 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 jumping jason he's picking up the tab so order a steak too yeah, I don't, yeah definitely 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 well thanks so much guys you have a great rest of your week great rest of the show and uh i will see you in three weeks and talk to you next week take care sounds right, good thanks, thank man. you so much brian All right, Tommy, we're going to keep the conversation rolling. All about the guys who made us believe the best sellers in the business. And up next is the Stromboli sisters' favorite caller, none other than Firefighter Brian. Good morning, sir. Welcome to the show. Good morning, gentlemen. How's everything? Doing very well, sir. Firefighter Brian, what's up, brother? How are you, guy? Good to to talk to you, as always. And, yes, glad to hear... uh, my girls, the Strombolis, will be at the uh, at the lunch. I'm I'm hoping to. I'm hoping to. I uh, I'm gonna uh, do everything I can to get out there for that because I'd like to. It's a good opportunity to uh, to meet uh, you know everybody prior to the event. Um, just uh, listen. Two questions before we start with the sellers. Number one, has anybody told you guys that the music they play while you're waiting for the show to begin sounds so reminiscent? of the porn music from the 80s and 90s. Has anybody told you guys that? You, 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 you would just, know, brother. You would know. I, I, I guess not. I guess, I guess I'm the first to either notice that or say that. But, uh, don't, make, yeah. don't, don't make me grab Tommy's sheet. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, uh, and number two, uh, this is actually an important question, Tommy, uh, regarding uh, the weekend of the convention. Uh, this is uh, important for the people coming in from out of town. Um, will the store be open the weekend of the convention? Very good question. I, I appreciate you, uh, you you bringing that up. The store will be open the Friday of that weekend. Uh, Saturday, obviously, we won't be open since the convention. Then right. Sunday. 
So check this out. Talk about a talk about a scheduling uh, dilemma. So last year's '80s wrestling con was the the day before Mother's Day. So imagine you run that big event all day long, the convention in the day, and then the show at nighttime, and then you kind of by the time you're done cleaning and sorting everything out, it's you know two three o'clock in the morning, and then you're gonna wake up at seven. Right eye and bushy tails with its Mother's Day, right? So this this year is even going to be better for me because this year, uh, the next day Sunday, will be my my uh, my daughter's communion. So, oh uh, gosh, yeah. So uh, it's going to be uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. So the store will be open that Sunday because it's a family event. So the to answer to the question, it'll it will be open Friday. I won't be here. I'll be in uh, I'll be in Morristown at the Menden Sports Arena setting up, but. My uh, my mom will, will fill in for me here. So yeah, the store will be open. Maybe even extended hours on that day because I know uh, several people from out of town have already asked about uh, coming and visiting the store while they're up here. So yeah, it'll be probably open. Probably maybe like eight o'clock or so. Uh, you know, stock stock up on those uh, monsters and five hour energies and all that that weekend, Tommy. So uh, <laughs> you know it, brother. Hey, let- Tommy, the best never rest. That's for sure. So, uh, absolutely. You know that. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? So, uh, that's why Jumpin' Jay's on the go all the time. That's why Jumpin' Jay's a millionaire. I know, I know, right. I know you don't know this information yet, Brian, but, uh, Jumpin' Jay's got a lot of coin, brother. A lot of coin. Tommy's overselling right now. He's overselling. No, no, so, no, so no. I'm selling, I'm selling perfectly. So, you know what he should do? Uh, for Jeopardy and Family Feud, he should sponsor the cash prize. Whoever wins gets. Uh, that's a that's a wonderful idea. Yeah, that's a wonderful I mean, idea, Brian. Just for that, I'm gonna let yeah. you pick which show you're gonna be a part of. I'm gonna have you as a contestant. You can either pick Family Feud or Jeopardy. I'm, I'm making an announcement. Okay. Firefighter Brian's officially a part of one of these two uh, games at 80s Wrestling Con. Which one do you want to pick? I will be. In jeopardy, and I'm going to say this right now, if I hit any daily double, I don't care how much I got, I don't care how what comfortable lead I got, I'm going true daily double every single one of them. So that's, there you go. Love it. There we go. There we go. Guess who's going to be the host of Jeopardy? I was just going to ask you that. Who, after? No, Bill After is actually going to be hosting the karaoke uh, '80s wrestling oh, karaoke that's, contest. That's, that's going to be uh, awesome. Who's hosting? But uh, ho- host, hosting Family Feud will be our very own, and he's just finding this out right now too. Jump and Jay will be the host of <laughs> Jeopardy at '80s wrestling time. There you go. The good well, news, right. is, Jay. You know, the good news is official. you don't have to spend prize money. The bad news is you got to host it. And I got to host it, That's which right. means I'm not eligible to win. So, oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> that'll be a breaking, good time. Breaking news. Breaking news. Justin J will host Jeopardy on 80s Wrestling Con. I love it. Do Can I got to come up with the wait. questions, Tommy, or will you have the questions all set? You're, it's your baby, brother. You do what you want with it. You're in charge. Oh. What does that mean? <laughs> all right. All right. I got I to. Gotta... Jay, you and I will talk off the air. We'll work that something out. That sounds good. Uh, hey, now, hey, now. Hey that now. sounds like a plan. 
<laughs> and I, actually, let me let me just that is a good question though. Jeopardy and Family Feud. What are they playing for? Are they playing for anything? Be honest. Are they playing for anything, or is it just for yes, fun? Yes, Which they are. Fun? Yes, they are. To, oh, what to, are they be, to be announced the the week of the convention. All right. Oh, okay, that's fair. All right, sounds good. I, okay, I, I my, are you right guys ready for this? My wife, who's not really into wrestling, she said, if you are on Jeopardy, I might have to make an exception and go to this. So, um, which which means I'm either going to have the time of my life or the time from hell. So, uh, oh, break, break, breaking news, guys! Breaking news! I have a second contestant. I have a second contestant for Jeopardy. And who just texted me, they're listening to the show right now. They said they want in on Jeopardy. You're not going to believe who it is, Jeopardy. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Babyface Brian has officially entered Jeopardy. At 80s nice. Black Constitution, we have Babyface Brian, and we have Firefighter, uh, Firefighter Brian. Very Man. good. Listen, Babyface is a great caller. He's a great fan. With all due respect to him, you might as well give me the prize right now. But um, so there we go. So uh, because I'm going to win this. But um, and like I said, I hit the daily doubles. I'm going to go true daily double every time. So I uh, I tell you, I'm even more excited for this uh, for this convention. It's going to be a good time. Going to be good to meet everybody. And uh, yeah. So uh, people that aren't familiar with the wrestling collector family, the ISPW family, you're going to be uh, pleasantly surprised. They're uh, all great people. So uh, we're going to have a good brother. time. Uh, hey, thank you guys for building such a great community. So let's, let's, uh, let's get to the topic because I'm sure you got people waiting. Um, it, listen, the great, I'm surprised this guy – don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking any of the people any of you guys have said. Um the greatest seller of that or any era, Ric Flair. Mm. Ric Flair. Nobody fell on his face better than Ric Flair. <laughs> okay. And, and I'll give and one guy who doesn't get a lot of credit for selling. Um, the, the only guy that can come close to Ric Flair falling on his face is, is Greg Valentine. And, cause, and, and, mm. and didn't Greg Valentine? Didn't he have the best face for falling down on um, Greg Valentine? Um, so, uh, but Rick Flair, the uh, greatest seller ever. Nobody fell on his face like Flair. Nobody had the expressions like Flair. Nobody would put his opponents over like mm-hmm. Flair. He knew when he was a, the times when he was a face and the heels were attacking him, he knew when to look defeated. And not to mention, and I, you know, I'll end with this because we've been talking a while. But when you talk about uh, people who ble- the bleeding Hall of Fame, Rick mm-hmm. Flair is the forefather of bloody wrestlers. Nobody bled like Rick, and, and I do think him having such you know gleaming blonde hair mm-hmm. added to it. Added Absolutely. to it because. You could see the blood in his hair. You know, guys would – okay, the, the Mount Rushmore of bloody wrestlers, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, mm-hmm. Steve Austin, and Abdullah the Butcher. Mm. Okay? And, and you got to put Austin in there only because of – just alone for that iconic shot of mm. him and the sharpshooter at WrestleMania with the blood pouring down. 
and him, you know, on his hands, you know, screaming. Just that alone, that iconic shot alone gets him a spot on the uh, on the Mount Rushmore. But what do all four of those guys have in common? Two guys are blonde, two guys are bald. Mm-hmm. None of them have dark hair. The best bleeders are the ones that have blonde hair and no or no hair at all. Okay, um, so we, in my sellers, you can't do a, a discussion of sellers without Ric Flair. So he's my uh, my pick for greatest uh, seller of that. What do you What do you guys think? I, w- I would 100% agree with you. I mean, Ric Flair made a career out of traveling the circuit and making local audiences believe that their guy was beating him for 59 minutes only for Ric Flair to sneak out still the champ at the hour mark. And that was because he was a master at selling. He was a master at making you believe that your guy was going to be the new champion, was going to take him down. And the way, yeah, the way he flops on his face, the way he takes that corner turnbuckle bump where he flips up upside down, yes. the blonde 100%. hair. Yes, you're 100% right. When the blood would hit that, that golden platinum hair, you would see it. Uh, and, and to your point about the bleeding, at WrestleMania, Finn Balor had one of the worst cuts on his head. Oh, but you couldn't, you couldn't see where it was between his dark hair and his face paint. You didn't see it, but when you saw the, the after photos, when he put them on his, on his social media, right. you got to see how big that cut was. Can you imagine that oh, cut yeah. bleeding in Ric Flair's white hair? It would have been the only thing you saw. So, yes, Ric uh, Flair and his selling is what made him who he was. Absolutely. And, and let's not forget, Ric Flair, uh, another trademark. And I agree with you. Uh, are you ready for this, Jay? When you were saying the way he uh, goes to the turnbuckle and flips over, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, he he kind of brought that to the game. He kind of – if he didn't – if he wasn't the first, he was the one that popularized it. And mm-hmm. when he gets on the top turnbuckle and his opponents catch him, yes. I mean, he made – a career out of that. I yep. mean, you know, we could go days talking about Ric Flair and Flair matches and Flair moments. I mean, there's uh, unfortunately he shit all over his legacy with all those comebacks and of course the last match last year. But that that should not uh, tarnish his uh, his legacy and what he's done for the business. So other than Hulk Hogan and maybe Austin, no more influential wrestler in the mm-hmm. history of the business than Ric Flair. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, listen, guys, I know there's other callers. A whole lot to talk to you guys all day. I will uh, hopefully talk to you next uh, Thursday. And uh, Babyface Brian, get ready, baby. Bring your stuff. <laughs> we'll be ready for it. All Have right, day, guys. man. Thank you again. God bless. Have a go. God, God bless. bless. All right, great names being brought up in this conversation, Tommy. I mean, you're talking Hogan, you're talking uh, Bret Hart, you're talking Ric Flair. It's a who's who of Mount Rushmore of wrestlers, and it's all because their ability to make you buy in, make you believe, the the art of the sell, so to speak. And up next, we're going to talk to the man that always brings the party. It's Marty from Millville. Marty, good morning, sir. Good morning, Jumpin' Jay. Good morning, Tommy Sierra. How are you boys doing? Good morning, man. You know, you know, you know, Marty's bringing the party to '80s Wrestling Con this year, Jumping Jay. I cannot wait yeah, really. to shake his hand. I know. I'll, I'll be looking for you guys. I'm rolling up solo. 
So I'm going to need like a running crew. You're going to tell like uh, hook me up with like with, with Babyface Brian or, or Dane from Butler or something. But I'm I'm just strolling up. You tell your wife to leave the light on for you that night, brother. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, no. I'm I'm staying because I'm staying. I told you I'm staying for ISPW show, and I'm not making that two and a half hour trip down south after. Right. So I'll I'll stay up and then just enjoy the night, and not worry about getting back. So, so, so there so you another, go. Another, in other words, in other words, what you're saying is Marty's bringing the party to ISPW and 80s Wrestling Con <laughs> all night long. That's Woo! right. If you have some sort of marathon match at the end that goes six hours, I'm I'm there in the front row. <laughs> Woo! Uh, All right, Marty. Uh, we're, talk, we're talking bestsellers, brother. Who do you got on your list? I'm going to go a little bit different angle, like I usually like to do. I'm going to go the the four main managers of my childhood: Keenan, oh. the uh, nice. Jimmy Hart, Slick, Mr. Fuji. Those guys yep. could all take a bump, yep. and they set up that payoff the entire match. And you, you, just, you were hating them. They were always getting involved, and they were always messing with Hogan or Beefcake or whoever was in there. And it's like, God, I just I wish like they could get a hold of them. Little Jimmy Hart's smaller than I am, and Hulk Hogan's six six. And it's like, come on, right? don't be picking <laughs> on Hogan. Like, that guy would kill you. And always the heel would get out of town and would be safe. But then the big payoff was finally when one of the one of the faces would grab one of the managers, and that's when you would hear this pop, and it would get so exciting. And that was the major payoff. It's like, yeah, they didn't beat up the honky tonk man, but you know Jimmy Hart was going to get it. And that was such a big payoff as a kid to see those guys finally get what was coming to them. So I I, I will go with those managers as all time great sellers. Absolutely fantastic uh, point of view there. I, I really enjoyed that, Martin. You're so right, especially Bobby the Brain Heenan, man. Like he's oh, another one that incredible. made every everyone around him so much better, and that includes Hulk Hogan because you know for a while there, Hulk Hogan was you know feuding with the Heenan family, going for all his hills, you know, and, and and Heenan would just keep feeding him his guys. So I mean, Heenan it, it was an instrumental part of the success of, of, of not only Hulk Hogan, but the WWF back then. So I think that was a really good point you brought up there. Yeah, he, he was, was brilliant. He really was. But, like, I would say Slick is so underrated. Slick would do that too. I mean, Slick's six four. He's, awesome. you know, not a small mm-hmm. guy. But he was in there with big, muscular guys. And it's like you would say big boss man or Akeem run for the, run for the back, and Slick would be stuck. And that's whenever you would see everybody get out of their seat, you would hear the crowd get really loud. And and Slick, oh, yeah. to his credit, would take that bump and, and did it masterfully. And Fuji yeah, definitely he was, not, great. he was doing that as a wrestler. So and all of those guys Jimmy Hart, all little, little little teeny little twerp, you know, so like Yeah, he, you heard he, him throughout he, the entire match fantastic the too with the megaphone and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The entire match you would hear his little voice the entire time like, gosh, I wish somebody would get a hold of him and then and then they would. You know that payoff was coming. And and it was worth it every time. Yeah, that's a great perspective. Even when you think about the way they would sell the moment before taking the bump, like you said, when they were caught in the corner and the crowd knew it was coming, the way they would kind of cower and back off and shake their head and wide-eyed, just the selling of the moment those guys were masters at. Even Bobby Heenan yeah. outside the ring, like in WrestleMania three, the first time Andre gets knocked down, how he sells that moment, making you believe 
it's a big moment because he looks like he didn't believe it could happen, and then it happens, and he's selling that moment. So, yeah, not only are they selling bumps, but they're also selling these moments that really just make the entire thing that much more enticing to the fan. Like, you just get drawn in that much more because they're selling the moments, not just the moves. Yep, they rose to the occasion every time and, and just made it way more special. They were great. I'm proud of you. I'm proud this of you, boys. Probably, this is my last we're time. We're having a good, good conversation here. Good conversation. Yeah, it is. And so, yeah, this will definitely be the last time I call because I'm off for spring break this week uh, before I see you guys. So I'll be looking for the world's tallest man, and I know what Tommy looks like. So <laughs> I'll see yeah, you guys out. You look for the handsomest guy in his wrestling con. You'll find me. Oh, yeah. Well, no, well I was going to look for your aura. <laughs> I just figure I would feel the warmth coming off of that. So. There you go. That's right. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I, I, we're, we're, don't, we're don't even ask me about Jeopardy. Up there, I, was man. I, I, I was we're thinking I was again? going to do Jeopardy, but then Brian said he's in, so I'm not even messing with that. So I'm going to wish uh, Firefighter Brian luck. But <laughs> you want, my, my you want to be part of the family, Brian? You want, you want to be part of the family feud? I would love to do family feud. Because we're going to need five five people on each team, so. Uh, I would absolutely right. be honored to be part of it, either team. So, yeah, put me All in right. for Family Marty, Feud. Mar- Marty's, Marty's bringing the party at 80s Con Jumping Day officially in Family Feud. That is fantastic. I cannot wait for that. Yeah, I'm excited, guys. All right, brother. All right, well, enjoy enjoy weekend, spring break, brother, and we'll see you uh, in Morristown, New Jersey in 23 days. All right, looking forward to it, fellas. Have a good one. You too, man. All right, the conversation keeps on rolling. We got one last caller waiting on hold right now. I believe he's the Stromboli sisters' second favorite caller and the only self-proclaimed five-star caller on the whole show. It's time for Toto with Tom. Tom, good morning, sir. Every time I listen to Fireman Brian, I feel like I'm listening to an episode of Columbo. You know, you pardon me. I know you've got other callers on the line, but uh, one more question. I just got one more thing i got to say. Pardon me. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? I, you know what, you know, Tom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this real easy. You're the third person that's going to be in Jeopardy at 80s Wrestling Con. It's going to be you against Babyface Brian versus Firefighter Brian. May the uh, best fan win. You got it. Jay, yes, sir. Uh, I'm, calling you, I'm calling you Jay because I have the utmost respect for you today because of what you said, your disclaimer earlier in the show. Paul Heyman was once quoted as saying, when explaining professional wrestling to people, those who don't get it, no explanation will ever do. And mm-hmm. those who do get it, no explanation is ever needed. But I have to say, what you said at the beginning of the show today is absolutely perfect for anybody who ever wants to understand what pro wrestling was about. And you opened up my mind, you know, as a fan as to why I enjoy it. So kudos. I thought that was tremendous. And we do need to make a shirt. I am a jumping gym fan. I think that's a definite <laughs> shirt that has to be made. Oh, thank you, brother. I really appreciate your sentiments there. Thank you. As far as the topic goes today, I think there's two types of sellers. There's the heel and there's the baby face. My favorite baby face seller of all time is Hulk Hogan. But since mm-hmm. that was already mentioned, I have to go with Dusty Rhodes because he made you, he gave empathy, you had empathy for him when he was in the ring. And that's what a face 
is supposed to do when they sell. Now, a heel, when, when he sells, they're supposed to, you know, um, do it like Shawn Michaels did. Shawn Michaels is probably the best seller of all time as far as taking bumps and making someone else on the other side, you know, look better than what they really are. So my two are Shawn Michaels from the heel and Dusty Rhodes from the face. Obviously, Ric Flair falls into that both category because he could, he could do it both ways. But as far as selling goes, you know all you have to do today to be a seller? Take your time and mm-hmm. sell. And, you know, if you watch last night's AEW show, there is no selling anymore. I mean, they get up from one move after the next. So today's topic is very poignant because there aren't sellers anymore. I mean, you bring up a time when there was a lot of selling done back in the 80s. I was watching mm-hmm. a match last night, and I swear, the moves that were done in the ring thought would have killed somebody and then the match ends with like a simple roll-up and i don't understand that you know it just boggles my mind good 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 topic you brought up there tom and i agree with that also back in the day you can have you can look at matches where you know king Kong buddy would just give someone an avalanche in the corner that was in the match or you know hercules put you up on his back for the backbreaker or take the snakes ddt like Back then, like signature, you bring up a great point. Because back then, you know the signature moves, you knew what they were going to do before they even did it. Like when when fucking Jake Roberts put someone's head in between his arms and starts circling his hand, the place would erupt. You know what's happening? Like now, you're, so yeah, that's a, a really really good point you brought up there. I, I saw a picture of Bret Hart on social media. Um, he was at WrestleCon and he was quoted as saying that he really can't even watch today's product because he says in order for wrestling to work. You have to make it seem as believable as possible. And he says in today's, that Mm -hmm. can't happen. You can't have 20 guys line up outside the ring to get prepared for someone to jump over the top rope on top of them. You can't, every time you do a super kick, slap your leg. He says you have to make it look believable in order for it to work. And he says Mm -hmm. he can't even watch today's product. Um, Touching on the Stromboli sisters really quickly, I've had pizza for lunch and dinner every day since last week. (laughs) I am prepping. Okay, I am prepping. <laughs> I'm very excited right, for tomorrow Tom, night. Tomorrow I night, Tommy, yeah. I am very excited. I got my front row ticket. I am looking forward to seeing not one, but two steel cage matches. Mm. I have not seen a steel cage match in the front row my entire life. So I am looking forward to that very much so. I'll right. be there early. Awesome, man. What, what's your... Uh... What's your prediction for uh, for the Crowbar, Rick Recon, and Vicky and Tina Steel Cage matches? Well, as much as I don't like Tina San Antonio, I think she is on top of the women's division as as far as uh, you know being the woman. You know, I think I think it all starts and ends with her. I hope Vicky wins, but I just don't see anyone toppling her right now. And as far as the Rick Recon um, Crowbar. I'm rooting for a crowbar, but, you know, Rick Recon, he's got Dave LaGreca in his corner, and I know it's a cage, and I know LaGreca's going to be on the outside, but I don't know. I mean, you know, that always plays a part in these matches. Yes, sir. Again, this all takes place tomorrow night, ISKW Rage in the Cage, St. Joseph's Church in West Milford, New Jersey. Tickets are still available at ISKWWrestling.com. Total Tom, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow, my friend. See you then.
All right, Tommy, great conversation we're having about the best sellers in professional wrestling. The art of making the opponent's moves look like they matter. It helps further the story. It helps further the storylines. It helps fans buy in. I think Toto and Tom raised a very good point. There's an art to selling as the good guy, and there's an art to selling as the bad guy. And a lot of times, the good guy the way the match psychology kind of works is you spend the majority of the match looking like you're going to lose. You get the crowd emotionally involved and then you have that great big comeback. And I believe it was Babyface Brian that brought up the name of Ricky Morton in the top of the conversation. And he was the king of that babyface getting beat down before making a hot tag so they can have the comeback. And so I think that's an interesting distinction. The art of selling if you're the babyface or the art of selling uh, if you're a heel, one of the greatest heel sellers of all time, in my opinion, uh, was Mr. Perfect. I thought he, the way he would sell for bigger opponents like a Hulk Hogan uh, really was just a, a piece of art. It was, it was art in motion watching him sell. And even when he had his big match against Bret Hart, where Bret Hart captured the IC belt, the way that he sold in that match, later finding out he even had extreme back pain but the way that he would sell moves to make him look like he mattered. If I'm building a list of my top sellers of all time, Mr. Perfect is going to be on my list, Tommy. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with that pick, man. Absolutely. There's just so many. If you look back on you know, the history of the business, there's been so many unbelievable sellers. And the stories that they tell, not only with their, you know, their words, but also their, their facial expressions. I, I really like what Marty brought up going the other route about, the managers come out uh, selling, and Bobby the Green Heenan was absolutely. How about when he when he'd have on that weasel suit, and then he would mm-hmm. look look around and try and like he, when he realizes he 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 sees his tail, he tries to chase it, and then he bumps <laughs> off of it. I mean, absolutely fantastic, you know. No, you're absolutely right. Those are the moments that he was. Uh, classic at selling the reaction when he would wake up and realize he's in that weasel suit. And like you said, he'd notice the claws, he'd notice the tail, he'd take that bump. And really, if you are in this industry and you can master the art of selling those moments, you can have a very long career because the crowd is going to be into what you're doing. And those moments don't take the wear and tear on your body like selling a bump does. Like Bobby Heenan had you in the palm of his hand in those moments because he was just so good at at living in that moment and making you live in that moment. Um, And one of the reasons we we chose this topic for today is uh, I heard uh, I was listening to some interviews on YouTube as I was doing some other work. And the art, the the topic of selling uh, came up and how it's kind of a lost art form and it was Dolph Ziggler who was being interviewed and he said when he was coming up uh, and learning the business one of the things he realized is the other students in his class really didn't spend any time selling it was get knocked down get back up ready for the next move and so in his mind that was one thing he thought he could do to make him stand out and if you watch Dolph Ziggler work you can tell he takes the selling very seriously. He sells similar to a Shawn Michaels, similar to a Ric Flair, where he really sells the big moves. And, the, and something that he said in the interview that stuck with me was he wanted to sell so good that when he got to the back after doing an independent show, the promoter would come up to him and ask him if he was okay. He said, if I can sell to the point where the promoter buys in, 
that I'm really hurt, then I must be doing my job right. And I thought that was an interesting take on it. And if you are a wrestler and you focus on selling, I got to believe it's only going to help benefit you in your career, Tommy. Absolutely, man. You, you talk very educated uh, about the business, man. You, 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 totally, you totally grasp it. I'm not just saying that because you're my friend. You, you really do. And, and you talk about, you know, heels and baby faces. You know, they're, in, they're intertwined with each other. You can't have one without the other. So, like, WrestleMania 1, you know, the, the, the real mega birth of Hulkamania, um, you know, it wouldn't have been so great. And it wouldn't have been so big and wouldn't have been so special if he didn't have Rowdy Roddy Piper to mm-hmm. play off of. So, you know, I mean, the, the Roddy Piper did such a great job in his role making the fans care even more about Hulk Hogan. So, I mean, talk about selling Piper. Holy moly. There's so many guys. We can we, we can go on and on talking about it. But, yeah, you're right. It, it's a It's definitely a lost art form, and some guys can do it really, really good, and those guys are the ones that are successful right now. We look at Roman Reigns. Uh, I don't think that anyone, no one's better in this business or game right now, in my opinion, than than he is. Well, we we were talking momentarily about the art of selling, not just the moves, but the moments. I'll tell you, Roman Reigns impressed me uh, last week, Monday, when Brock Lesnar turned on Cody Rhodes. I don't know if you, if, if you watch that clip back and if you focus on Roman Reigns' expression, he sells the fact that he has no clue what is going on. And he kind of backs out of the ring and he kind of has this look on his face. And so, yeah, when you, when you think of a guy like Roman Reigns, you don't necessarily think right away that he is a great seller. But if you look at the facial expressions, and kind of how he he chooses when to like really super sell these little moments that really help his character continue to be on the the crazy run that he's on. And so I'm glad you brought his name up because as you're as you're listing all time great sellers, sometimes you miss the people that are the best at it because if they're truly good at selling, you don't even really pick up on that they're selling because they're not overdoing it. They're doing the facial expressions. They're doing it when it counts. And you're so caught up in the moment that you don't even realize that they kind of have you in the palm of their hand. And I would say the crazy run that Roman Reigns is on, like he is in the zone and his selling is one of the things that he has really, really gotten very good at. Absolutely. And uh, I guess I'll give you a little peek behind the the curtain uh, real quick. That's a term. Uh, that's used very, very, very frequently in, in, in our business too, selling. Because it, it's not just, like I said, it's not just thing to moves. It's a lot more than that. I think that it might get confusing when you hear that uh, selling because you're thinking about, you know, someone you know, just got their fucking ass handed to them and they're calling and trying to get up. Yes, that is selling. But there's other there's other elements and aspects of it as well and, and facials and, every, I mean, everything. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's, a, it's a really important thing in our business, probably one of the most important things. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy you, you brought up that topic today. And you're right, man, there's, like, there's, there's tons of guys out there. Uh, we could probably sit here and talk about it all day long. But we got to go because I got to get ready for 80s <laughs> Wrestling Con, 23 days away. You should see I'm, I'm at the store right now, Jumping Jay. I literally have. 
uh, tons of tickets and envelopes all over the place, uh, putting orders. Anyone that ordered up until two days ago, uh, everything went out ticket-wise. So if you're, you're listening to the show and you, you don't have your ticket yet, they, they did go out this week. And um, today I'm going to fulfill the orders from the last couple of days. But, uh, yeah, man, there's tons of people uh, have, have, uh, are coming from right now. I, I, usually two weeks before is when things get really crazy, and the week of is when everyone starts ordering. So right now I believe I counted 32 states and five different countries so far uh, that have oh, already purchased tickets for 80 plus one cards. But I, I know that's going to go up because um, – like I said, within the next the last week, everyone starts ordering stuff. Last two weeks, so yeah, man, I'm expecting a, a, a big turnout for the uh, what you say. Hopefully, the biggest '80s wrestling mm-hmm. con ever, and it's it's been confirmed. The Family Feud will be hosted. Uh, Family Feud Jeopardy will be hosted by Jumpin' Jay, and the contestants will be Babyface Brian, Firefighter Brian, and Toto Tom. So breaking news here. Uh, on the podcast today for 80s Wrestling Con, we have Jeopardy with you as the host, and uh, we already announced that Marty is bringing the party, the first contestant on Family Feud. We've got nine more spots to fill. We're going to probably do that uh, the day of 80s Wrestling Con. We're going to just randomly go up to someone and uh, and pick them and choose them. So uh, we will be walking around the floor uh, searching contestants, so uh, be on the lookout for the world's tallest man. He'll be, uh, he'll be maybe pulling you aside and saying, you want to be on Family Feud? Follow me. <laughs> I love it, man. I'm looking forward to it. I can't, I can't tell you. My, my family's excited. My boys are, are uh, amped up. Uh, we're counting the days here, and so we're looking forward to it. Um, 23 days. Not a lot of time left. The excitement continues to build, and you're not it's not like you're just sitting back waiting for the 23s. You've got huge ISPW shows between then and now. You got a store you're running. Life don't slow down for Tommy Fierro just because the convention is coming, man. And so uh, I'll be thinking about you. I know you got the big uh, cage matches coming up, which selling in a cage is an art form in itself. And so I'm sure your guys are going to put oh, on yeah. one heck of a show, uh, Rage in a Cage for ISPW. Uh, and so I look forward to hearing how that goes for you as well, man. Thank you, brother. And I hope everyone out there has a great weekend. Jay, I hope you and your family have a great weekend. It's, it's hot up here in New Jersey, man. They said it might go up to possibly 90 degrees today. So it's a, a hot, hot spring day in New Jersey. And hopefully a hot night tomorrow night. ISW Rage in the Cage. Once again, St. Joseph Church, West Milford, New Jersey, 7.30 p.m. Belton doors open 6.30. Tickets available now, ISPWWrestling.com. Until next week, we'll catch you right here on 80s Wrestling. The podcast.